Hey, hey, hey. Oh, boy. All right. Hey. So I will just say that we have to do this one again. We have to do this one again. Because you you were very angry when we recorded it the first time round. It basically became a 20-minute rant, and that's no one wants to listen to that. So I, I went away. I calmed down. I did some, some deep breathing, and then I did some research so I could actually come back with a data-driven argument, logic-driven argument, Instead of just sitting there going, this is the greatest robbery of all time, and they can all go take a long walk off a short pier. And I may not have been that polite yesterday when we tried to record this. No. So, what the episode is about, and what he's referring to, is must happen stamp duty changes. And for the JTM, it's we're talking that there's only 13... Fridays till Christmas. Yeah, and I, look, so, I, I, I didn't get angry about the 13 Fridays till Christmas. I don't get angry about Christmas until, you know, two weeks out at, at the absolute earliest. <laughs> I don't even think about it until three days out. <laughs> Hashtag dad mode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Should we, so should we let's, word from sponsors and then we'll, let's do we'll it. jump into this rage? Yeah, let's do it. Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Okay, so this time I'm really going to keep you on track because I know that yesterday... I've got notes to keep me on track too so that I don't get emotional about this too. Like I'm still going... Like it, it, it is the greatest robbery in history. It is an absolute rot. It's a, it's a legalized scam. But we're going to deal with facts yes. as best as possible. Yes. So we're going to be talking stamp duty. Yes. And... I, okay, so... Let's let's like really break it down. Yeah. Right. And because re- remember, there's people out there who have heard of sp- stamp duty, who've paid it, who who've paid it, or who are about to go into the property market. So they're going to. That's probably the first time that they're actually encountering it. What is stamp duty? And look, that's about as far as we got yesterday because this this was the all-triggering question because I've been in real estate and, and attached to the industry either as an agent, a prop tech CEO, builder, founder, technology guy, a house purchaser, renter, all yep. those sorts of things for, for 14, 15 years, yep. right? And we, we've all kind of known that stamp duty was just oh, rubbish, yeah. but we never, like I never questioned past that. We knew it was a transfer duty. We knew it was for transferring the legal ownership of a house from one person to another, mm-hmm. right? 
but we never sort of dived into it or I never did because it was a case of this is just something we've got to put up with death and taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And so in order to answer that question and give genuine value and, and information, I rabbit hold what are, on what is stamp duty. Mm -hmm. And stamp duty is an archaic ancient tax. It comes from a time when it was incredibly hard to... Uh, for the for government of the day, monarchs and and you know whoever it was that was responsible for collecting taxes to know who owned what land. The records were terrible. It was really hard to do, like to introduce a land tax that was paid like on an annual or biannual basis or whatever. And so, and and there were a lot less transactions of land, you know, transferring between people. Yeah. So they introduced a stamp duty on those transfers as a kind of imperfect way of ensuring they got their taxes from that. Land. Hence why there was a lot of generational, I'll just hand it down to my 100%. oldest son, as because it 100%. means that there's no stamp duty that would have had to have been paid. In, it would have they've, just, they've found ways to, yes. uh, and we're not going to go down that rabbit no. hole because that's another one that will just trigger me and let's, let's let me be okay, triggered so on a Friday, we'll record duty? on a Sunday. Um, so stamp duty is a transfer tax. Effectively, it's, or it's a duty of transfer. You are literally paying for the government to go... This person who owned the property has now sold it and the person who has, has bought the property now owns it and that person is now the legal owner. And this was a an archaic process for a long time and actually required a legitimate stamp, right? Yep. Like government had to do it. It's no longer that process. Most of it's digital. Yeah. Right? Most of it's... Well, you would hope so. We've, we've got a verified ID. We've got a verified ID. Call that title now belongs to that person. Yep. And that's literally that. And depending what state in this country you are, the state government is getting paid tens, even at times hundreds of thousands of dollars to literally move the title, unattach the title from the seller, attach it to the buyer, all digitally. It's, it's, it should be pretty much, if, if checks and balances are in play, it should be done digitally. There shouldn't be any manual handling whatsoever. But even if there's manual handling we are talking less than a five-minute job. Yeah. And it's mental. Yeah. it's me This is one of the things that triggered me, right? I think it was on, on a $700,000 property or something like that, uh, maybe an $800,000 property that we're talking about in Queensland, and it was $24,000 in stamp duty before concessions, mm. right? And there's, there are certain concessions in place. There are concessions for first home buyers. There are concessions for, for all sorts of different things. The concession in Queensland for first home buyers is you don't pay stamp duty on a property up to five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, so first, what, first everyone's going to be going out way out west um, in twenty twenty three. You like maybe a one bedroom apartment, maybe a two bedroom if you're lucky. But if that, but like, even still, like so. But here's here is the rub. Here is the rub. It can I just counts. say something that's just dawned on me? Then, if you've got one person that first home buyers and I'm sorry but this is just first home buyers doesn't necessarily mean new build so that means that every single time that that property we're, we're going to get into new builds I got some data hold on I'm not talking about new builds I'm talking about every single time that one property just one property is sold they are continually making money again and again and again and again if you've got a property that's selling five times in let's say a 15 year period Right, which that's it, the average it, at the moment. Yep, yeah. that means 
that literally every three years for that property, they're not only getting rates, but then they're also getting 50% of, let's say, 24000 So that's $12,000 every 12 years. Yeah, that's oh, only sorry, if there's a concession. Years. That's only a concession. So uh, others are paying the full twenty four. Yeah. So my answer so to every that- three years, on average, when a property sells, they're getting that. And from my memory, or what I have been told, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure you had said yesterday that it the for Queensland that money goes into the emergency, emergency services, services, police, hospitals, all that stuff. Like it, it goes into the general tax pool. But then at the same time, part of that is that we our <laughs> the s- services are actually built into electricity and various other taxes, utilities, and including yep. rates. Yep. I'm just looking at say going, just just simplify that and say that in a single sentence again to let it sink in. What? Say what? Every three years. Yeah, every three years they're making a minimum of twelve thousand because it's not every and you're not going to have one you're not going to have one property the, that is every, continually bought by first years, home buyers every three years. They are making a percentage of the value of the property every time that property changes hands. And it, so it's not even every three years. Stamp duty must be paid within 30 days of that property selling. Now, in different states, it can be settlement or it can be unconditional. It depends, right? Different states. But every three years, within 30 days, or sorry, let me rephrase that. Within 30 days of that property being sold, every time it's sold, Stamp duty must be paid, and that stamp duty can be tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars because it is a percentage of the value of the property. So you can imagine if someone's just sold a property for two or three million dollars, right? And it's mental. It is mental. And given the fact that, like in recent years, we've had properties that have had high turnovers because, you know, people came, people Mm -hmm. bought, people then had the ability of going back to where they were working. So they sold it. The more expensive the property, the higher the stamp duty climbs as well, right? And this this is the thing. Now, here is the rub. Here's the challenge that we have as a people, as a country, okay? Because this is having an impact on housing affordability and housing oh, supply. And we'll, we will get into that in a minute. I had a chat with Tommy Ulrich from uh, Boss Money. He's, he's going to jump on the podcast, help us with some finance stuff and things like that at some point. We've got to organize that with him. Okay. But I, I reached out to him on Facebook, said, hey, can you answer this question for me? And we'll get into that in a sec. In many cases, stamp duty makes up anywhere up to 52% of the state's tax revenue. That was a figure that I say, read. Say that again. In some cases, stamp duty can make up to 52% of the state's revenue. In some cases, so, their tax revenue. So, okay. That was Now, hang on, let me clarify. That was a figure from about 2019 that was published in an article that I was reading as I was researching this. So that may not be the case today, but it gives you an idea. And there's some other stats. So, so hold on. So then that goes back to... The whole supply and demand. Because yeah. if you've got first home buyers that are going to be building off the plan, right, that means that they're not going to be getting as much 
as oh you wait till we dive into those figures but do you you see where i'm going with this right yeah that it is they're the first home buyers if they're going and buy doing new builds then that means that they're not getting as much with the stamp duty because there's concessions there which means that that also plays into the whole supply and demand thing anyway because Oh my god! What an absolute! In some cases, now, like in Queensland, in Queensland, for example, um, the number is a little a little bit different. Like they in Queensland in twenty twenty two, they made more money from um, uh, an increase in royalties, right, in coal and oil and all that sort of stuff. So they got they got ten point four six two billion in royalties from that. Um, so the the general government sector to- revenue. For twenty two twenty three is estimated to be eighty seven point six two three billion, um, so and that's up thirteen billion. So, if that takes us back to about seventy four billion for the twenty two financial year, and it was roughly six billion in, in stamp duty. So Queensland's getting basically almost ten percent, right? Other other states are getting more and less. Yeah. Um, it may not just be stamp duty that that's fifty two percent might be property taxes included in that. I may have got yeah. my, my numbers mixed going back and double checking, but it's a huge chunk. Even if it's 10%, and, and if it's 10% yeah, of that revenue. Yeah, well, when you look at it, that's that, a monumental. That's billions. Could you imagine yeah, billions how, how, if they went just from one year, think of this from mm-hmm. one year that they would actually earn. Could you imagine how many houses they could get built? So. It's, so what I mean, get built, I mean as though in if they reinvested that into actually getting places built, the supply and demand would not be alleviated, wouldn't it, to some degree? Let's get into that because I have a proposed change. And I want to, like, just quickly, I've realised that $52 billion was me emotional. That figure's not, oh, sorry, 52%. That figure's not quite right. In some states, it's close to that or up to that. But it's that's the total in property taxes. It can be up to fifty two percent of their revenue as property tax, state, stamp duty, all that sort of stuff. Um, in certain states, even still, that's. Pretty- but I, just, I wanted to correct that just quickly because otherwise, it's a sensational figure that's wrong. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, someone will get it and run with it. Yeah, yeah. Look, and that's it. We don't want that to happen. We want to give accurate information. If I, you know, sometimes I get numbers mixed up. That's fine. Um, props to New South Wales, who are phasing yeah. out stamp yes. duty. Yes. And and looking now, this hasn't been approved in legislation, but they're looking at bringing in land tax. So I took the look of this and I went through a number of the different states mm-hmm. and I looked at what if we did a land tax instead of a stamp duty? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I put it at a nominal amount, but I also made the government take a hit on taxes because I'm like, you know what? You guys I, need to be more efficient. I'm just going to ask a question. What is the difference then between land tax and rates? I, well, rates goes to council. And is for the more localized services and things like that, road upgrades, all that sort of stuff, right? No, and so the stuff that's under the council jurisdiction, council roads, all that, whereas land tax goes to the state government. No, but that's what I'm saying. If you're going to be bringing in a land tax, isn't that going to both? Mm-hmm. So there would be a land tax from the state government and then and technically... Then from the council. We, we have too many levels of government in this country. Oh, that's God. a whole nother discussion for another day. Yeah, right? no. So let's, let's just... It's just crap. It's, it is. It is. To be, and the reason for it is that we're a federation of states. Yeah, even but, at a federal, that would, right? that's, but that's I, another discussion. I got you on a tangent. Go. You do. So what if... And this is the question I ask myself. What if we eradicated stamp duty completely? Because they've demonstrated that stamp duty is a... 
it's 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 a sacrificable thing, right? They're willing to give a hundred percent discount in some cases for certain concessions and all that, or fifty percent. Like it's something that they play with. They're like, "Oh, we'll give you fifty percent." Of course, they're going to give us fifty percent off because the work that's actually required to earn that stamp duty probably only costs the government one hundred and fifty bucks. Well, why not have it rigid? Like, if there's paperwork and blah blah blah, pushing buttons, blah blah blah. Need, needing to be done, why not just have a stock standard price and that's, of like okay. $2,000, so, boom, that covers. Yep. And that's the question I asked. I went, if I was in their shoes and I wanted to solve the housing problem and I wanted to do it in a way that made things more affordable, mm. right, for everybody across the board, actively encouraged future governments to tackle the problem of housing supply, what would I do? And so I looked at the New South Wales land tax. Mm. And I also know that Victoria for industrial and commercial is, is removing stamp duty on a 10-year plan. Removing and stamp duty WA's and, just announced. Uh, and bringing, Victoria's bringing in uh, land tax for commercial and industrial instead. WA's just announced an increase in the concession. So up to 650000 it's 100%. Uh, concession yep. on new right. builds off the plan, yeah. right? Okay. And that's I think that's increasing as well as it goes on. There's a there's a fifty percent con- concession up to I think seven fifty at the moment, and that yep. increases again. So, but that was the article that got us onto this. So, there's as of the twenty twenty one census, yeah, there were two million one hundred ninety five thousand five hundred and ten dwellings in Queensland. Okay, okay. If instead of a stamp duty or a transfer tax. We lowered that to a $1,500 one-time fee, transfer fee, yeah. each time, right? So still 10x what it costs them in order to execute that transfer, on yeah. my estimates. But it cut, it's just $1,500 flat fee, mm-hmm. right? Makes it, if you're buying a house, you can probably find that $1,500, mm. okay? And then you pay $1,500 a year, and it's got to be capped for a certain period of time. A year, though... As a land tax. What that would mean, instead of $6 billion that they got in 2022, they get $3.3 billion from the land tax and they get an additional 164, we'll call it $165 million, So we'll, we'll call it basically $3.5 billion from every owner-occupied or every occupied dwelling. Not owner-occupied, just occupied dwelling, mm-hmm. right? That's not government housing. Yeah. So these were the the two million one hundred ninety five thousand homes mm. are non government non community housing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Privately owned dwellings. Now, last year we built thirty four thousand seven hundred and fifty five new homes. Say that number again. Thirty four thousand seven hundred and fifty five new homes in Queensland. In Queensland, I'm dealing state I'm by state. Just even still. Well, considering that forty thousand households moved to Queensland last year, right? And then we've got the people moving out of home who want their own houses, divorces, marriage, but all that sort of stuff, right? Where new houses are needed, we're not building enough to meet the supply. God okay? no. That highlights the issue, but. Every 34,000 houses we build, 34,755, right, is another $52 million in stamp duty and $52 million per year in that land tax. So the reason I'm highlighting that, the government takes a hit in their taxes up like early on in the piece, mm. but that'll be a popular election move. Hey, we're going to remove stamp duty, Right. People will be like, hell yeah, because, and this is where I, I spoke to Tommy from Boss Money, and I said to Tommy, 
on a seven hundred thousand dollar house, if someone didn't have to buy, uh, have to pay stamp duty, would it increase their borrowing capacity? He said, "Absolutely." Yeah, of course it will. It'd increase their borrowing, not by as much as I thought, but it'll still increase it'll their still borrowing increase capacity it. by about two and a half percent. Right on a seven hundred thousand dollar property, it was about seventeen grand, two and a half percent, rough figures. Yeah, right? but that's still decent. But then I said to him, "Would it not?" increase their overall purchasing power because if they still save the money for that stamp duty, it could then go into the deposit, which would increase their yeah. buying capability. Yeah. And he's, well, of course it would. I mean, and I know that that's, uh, well, that's a straight line, JH. Like, of course. Well, yeah. duh, right? Absolutely. But I wanted to get it confirmed by a finance Because, guy. and the other thing with that too, is instead of you having people who are like trying to get, in just for the sake of getting in, if they've got the ability of being able to borrow more, it means that if you've got a family of four, right, instead of them going and buying a two-bedroom... Or a three-bed or whatever, yeah. Well, even just a two-bedroom because that's all that they can afford with the area that they live in, it gives them the capability of going, hold on, we can actually now afford a slightly bigger home to and fit everybody in. To be able to fit yep, everyone. Better quality of life and everything like that as well. But here's the thing I like best about this idea. And I'm sure economists are going to pull it apart and other people, other commentators will, will pull it apart. But this is what I like best about it. Instead of incentivizing the government to tax homeowners more, and we're going to get into house and land packages in a minute. I know what the time is, but this will run over time on this app because the information yep, needs to get. just get to it. <laughs> so... Instead of incentivizing the government to tax homeowners more, which is the current system and the current status quo, mm. right? They want more money, they tax us more, or they find something else to tax, Yeah, right? What this does is incentivizes the government to build more houses. Yeah. Because more houses means more annual revenue from the land tax, which would then also go into more – because there's the demand there of people needing to have skills in order to be able to build houses, the demand will be there, which means there'll be more interest in actually having those uh, skills. It doesn't address the supply issue for materials, but we need to restart industries in this country anyway to supply our own stuff. We should have learned that lesson that by now. that can also be where innovation with, comes from too. It, look, it can, and, and I was, I'll, I'll get onto that in a second, but just very quickly, our trade war with tri- China and the war in the Ukraine should have taught us the lesson that we should we should be manufacturing things, more things here in Australia because otherwise we're dependent on other nations and our economy is a yo-yo based on the whims of other nations. Yeah. And, and that's what we experienced, the supply and demand issue. We watched our winery industry get hammered. We watched seafood get hammered. And we're, we are unable to get building supplies because we're not manufacturing and refining the steel here. We're mining it and shipping it to China, having them refine it, and then we're bringing it back. We're not... You know, we, we've shut down the majority of our timber industry over the last 30 years. Mm. And so we're not able to do anywhere near the level of refining and manufacturing of timbers for housing frames and things like that. Um, Interesting, on the technology front, getting back to that and that innovation, there was an article, A.V. Jennings um, has just started talking about this eight-star rated, like, uh, what do they call it? It's not environmentally friendly, but it's it's like efficiency, economic efficiency, global efficiency, like, it's a, the way that they're building their walls allows them to pump them out a hell of a lot quicker yeah. and reduce wait times yeah. and also keep the houses energy efficient. That's the one, eight-star yeah. energy efficient rating. Um, 
allowing them to keep the houses significantly cooler in summer, warmer in winter yeah. because of this new way that they're building walls and things like that and the, the types of materials that they're using so they can get it up quicker, build it quicker. They don't have to wait on materials anywhere near as much. They're able to pump out houses a hell of a lot faster yeah. and get the walls up in a couple of months as opposed to you know significantly longer. Yeah. Um, and it's right now it's only in their premium range. But they've spent 15 years working on it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out and how that permeates the building industry as a whole. Yeah, well, considering that here in Queensland, there is also the, um, what do they call it? It has to be cyclone-proof. Yeah, yeah. yeah so and, and it meets that as well. Yeah, but yeah. again, it comes back to, so the challenge that they're going to face is the same challenge everyone's going to face, and that is getting the material for the frames. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's, let's get on to building. Right, yes. So we talked about Queensland. Please understand, there is a varying degree of FUBAR or SNAFU, whichever your preferred acronym is, in every single state in this country. Yeah. Right. Like Victoria generated ten point two billion from stamp duty. Um, you know they got two and a half million dwellings. Right. So South Australia, uh, they've got seven hundred twenty three thousand generated a billion dollars. WA generated two billion in twenty twenty one. They got a million dwellings. So it's it's very much nationwide like new south wales three million dwellings generated 15 billion in revenue yeah. from from stamp duty so this is a problem that is nationwide props to new south wales who are looking at that land tax option but let's also look at one of the you other tasmania big, I, I did but didn't <laughs> I, just, I just left it off um, <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much time in the day we, we love tasmania we but we forgot you we just no, left we do, you we, off we, we forget Tasmania because we don't want everyone else to love it. We, we want it to be there for us when we're ready to move. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get into the actual building. The building quagmire of absolute... I need a word for an F-bomb that I can say here, but it is... It is just a mess. So, in 2019, mm-hmm. the Housing Industry Australia body did research into the actual costs of um, building a house and land package. Mm-hmm. And what they found is that taxes and red tape across all levels of government add up to, at that time, 50% or up to a possible 50% of a house and land package's price in Sydney, 37% in Melbourne, in Brisbane, Perth, and Adelaide. So a full third of the cost of a new home, house and land package, is made up in government taxes and red tape, specifically GST, stamp duty, rates, payroll and income tax, company tax. Um, Payroll and income tax? Because of the people building it. Oh, right. Right? So everyone's paying tax on every little action that's happening in that equation. They're charging GST on new homes. That's a Howard government one, that one. That that was thanks thanks Johnny Howard. But this figure, so they're talking about there's 180,000 on H and, uh, well, house and land package. A, a goods and services, that's exactly what it is. I get you it, can... but you never pay GST on a an established home where you're buying it because someone else built it and you're now buying it from them. So there's no GST on that. And most countries in the world that have GSTs, VATs, those kind of taxes, they don't charge on new builds and they definitely do not charge on established property. So again, it's another freaking robbery, in my opinion. 
because we have a supply problem in in this well, country. Uh, goods and services are going to be charged on the actual products themselves. Yeah, but so also, of course, there's going yeah, to be goods and services. But it's, acro- on that. it's across the board, right? But that's just a, that's a small fraction of it. Now, all I'm just saying is that you're you're going uh, about oh, goods look, and services. If, if it was up to me, the government wouldn't tax us anything. But that's that's another story. But GST, stamp duty, rates, payroll income, and company tax adds up to about 180k on a house and land package, right? This does not include the $40,000 in development charges and 220,000 per property in red tape. That is stupid. So that's nearly half a mil. They, they depending just, so on the where you're actually living. The Australian Financial Review did a, a spreadsheet of it, and they showed that, and they looked specifically at Sydney and New South Wales, and they compared one development versus another, and it could be anywhere. They showed, depending on the value of the development and everything else yeah, that has yeah, yeah. to happen, that it could be anywhere from ninety-eight thousand dollars to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Jesus Christ! In in taxes, fees, and like across all levels of government. So. So when I'm saying half a mil, I'm talking about someone's deposit. You need a deposit just to finance the freaking government taxes. Yeah. And government and, and red tape. And that's it. That's a monumental problem. You want to look at where the supply problem is? Like why we have a supply and a housing crisis and prices just keep skyrocketing? It's right there. Yeah. The government is reaching into everybody's pockets. And this is making me sound like I'm a, an anti-tax conspiracy nut. Right, I get we've got to pay taxes. No one likes it. I get we've got to pay Look, it for services yeah, and everything like but that. But at the same time, but, if you're like making it worse, making it harder for people to be able to borrow in order. And do you know the crazy thing with this too is the government sits there and goes, we have no control over the banks. No, we and got, it's like, hold right. on. All of the money so, that you're actually charging a person in order to have a new bill. Let me... Let me you're Play out a scenario a here, right? And an economist, a finance guy can pull it apart. It's I know I'm going to get told it's an oversimplification, but let's play out the scenario. Housing costs, rents, mortgages, all this sort of jazz, mm. house land, makes up 25% of the CPI basket that they use to judge inflation. Yeah. Okay. So we have a housing crisis. We don't have enough properties to house the people that we have and we have immigration coming in. What happens when you have more demand than you have supply? Prices go up. Yeah. Right? So that is showing inflation for at least 25% of the CPI basket. And it's big inflation. Yeah. Big inflation. Yeah. Yet when we look at the house and land packages that are being built, huge chunks of it, Mm. massive chunks and percentages like, you know, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, 33%. Right? 33%, one third of the price of a house and land package in 2019. And I'd hate to see what it is now because those house and land packages have skyrocketed because mm. of the supply and demand issue. 33% goes to the government. Yeah. The taxes and, and red tape. And this is where I'd like to say too that when it comes to the pricing within an area, there being new builds, what you guys have to remember is new builds also get included to the house prices within that area. So they, what they I can. mean they've started by, separating a bit more. Yeah. But yes. But it, yes. New builds will generally lift the price of an area. Lift the price yeah. of an area because in, in obviously the and so forth. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to 
you know, when you're talking about, or, you know, we hear all the time that it's real estate agents that are jacking up the prices and it's like, hold on a minute. There is so many other factors Look, most, that are actually part most, of this. Most good real estate agents doing CMAs will take into a fact that a new build is involved and that yeah. it's not tr- a true comparable, right? No. And that's something that's got to be understood. But at the same time, there is, a, you know, here in Queensland, there's been many uh, councils being told, you're not building enough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, well, Redlands just had their their development uh, plan taken over by the state government because they weren't doing enough. Yeah. So, it look, it's... It's a shit show. It's, I'm just going to call it's, it. It's 100%. You know, I want to go ding, 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 circle gets a square, <laughs> right? It's, it is an absolute shit show. And I think what frustrates me, what frustrates me more than anything is the narrative that comes out from particularly the Queensland government. We're in Queensland. So a lot of this, you know, we we live the Queensland crisis mm. um, and, and we don't see a lot of what comes out of the New South Wales government, or the Victorian government and, and so forth, unless it affects nationally. And, and we go looking for, or we go looking for it to research it. But Queensland government loves to blame investors. The Queensland government loves to blame and, and paint investors as money grubbing and greedy and all this sort of stuff, and and that comes out in the media, and the media runs with it because the media loves somebody to I'm demonise. Say something here, yeah. Continue. Right. The whole time, the Queensland various levels of Queensland government and federal have their hand out for thirty three percent of a new build. This is when I'm going to say something that my dad says all the time: when someone's doing this. Pointing fingers. Yeah, when someone's pointing a finger at you, there's, there's four fingers or three fingers pointing back at you. There's three fingers pointing back. Yeah. So good old government, if you're going to be there blaming or trying to lay the blame at someone's shoes and going, you need to do a better job, how about you reinvest that money purely into housing as opposed how to about, going here, there and everywhere? How about you stop charging such Stupid. a ridiculous amount and you actually run an, a government as an efficient organization. You know, when I was many years ago, I was a courier, and one of my routes was I would be delivering to the hospitals, yep. right? The Royal Brisbane Women's and, and the various hospitals around Brisbane and so forth. And I'd be delivering stationary supplies. And you always knew, you always knew that budget time was coming up. Well, obviously, May, June it would be, mm. but May, June, my deliveries would always spike. Yeah, I'd be going, how come you guys are ordering so much? If And the answer would be, if we don't spend the budget we got this year, we won't get more next year. Yeah. Right? If you pulled that in a private enterprise. Two and a half thousand dollars on paper reams. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. I don't even know where it would go because July 1, the first week of July, I'd have a quiet week. Right? Yeah. And then by the 2nd of July or the second week of July, I'm delivering the same stuff all over again. Yeah. Right? It's the normal orders. We're back to... So where did $2,500 worth of paper go? Or where did... You know, and, and I'm, like you've pulled a number yeah, out no, and, and figuratively, yeah. like it's hypothetical. But where did all the shit go that I delivered in June? Yeah. Like, like it was only a month ago I, and you got I, stupid I, I delivered four months worth of supplies in, yeah. in June and you're back ordering your normal stuff in July? Like... What are they what doing? Like, uh, like, are they hoarding it? Um, who knows? Because there's only limited storage, right? And and because I'd help them put it in storage places and stuff. So, it, like the government is not run efficiently. We all know that. We've all mm. accepted that for you. Well, I mean, this is obvious. This is obvious. Run it efficiently. Spend the money smartly. Cut your fat, right? Because just because you're government, you should. And and you know you've worked for government. One of the things you said to me that blew my mind is you said as soon as. Uh, an infrastructure project 
has been paid off, the government then sells it to a private entity because it is a bad look for the government to be making profit off infrastructure. And it blew my mind because I'm looking at going, why? If you, if the government was able to make a profit having paid off an infrastructure project, that money could be reinvested, could lower income taxes, could lower stamp duties, could lower all these other taxes on the individual, right? Pay for use. And that could be reinvested into more infrastructure projects. It could be reinvested. Like, why would you sell off a profitable asset? And this is a massive problem in government and we're tangenting and we're going to need an episode on this just to rant on it. But getting back to the main point... We, that stamp is a duty, lot of money stamp that duty, could be put back into building. 100%. And stamp duty is an archaic tax that is a bad tax, right? And one of the one of the economists that I was reading, I can't remember his name, turned around and said a number of economists have done a number of studies and they've found that stamp duty costs the economy 50 to 60 cents per dollar of revenue generated. It is an expensive tax that is an inefficient tax and a bad tax. And then you look at our housing crisis and you suddenly realize where like a third of the cost of a new build is going in government taxes and, and red tape and things like that. Why have we got a housing crisis? It's not like we've, we've got some more land than just about any other country on the planet. Yeah. Right? There's maybe 10 countries with more land than us. just sitting there. Right? Yet we've, we don't have enough houses. Yeah. There it is. There's, yeah. There it is. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let's go to a happier segment. I was far more polite than yesterday. Oh, you were. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Gold probably Gold star for you. Gold star. Kept my cool. There were no cheer, chairs thrown. Nearly, <laughs> nearly went Kiwi there and went cheers. <laughs> no cheers thrown. Let's get into the let's JTM. Let's get some fush and chaps, bro. Let's get into the JTM. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for Guess what? I had something for this. It's only 13 weeks till Christmas. Sweet. I don't have to worry about it yet for another 12. I thought you were telling me yesterday that you're all good, that you're good. I'm, I'm going to Amazon shop, yeah. I'm, I, I'm just going to shift my late night Amazon binge shopping to, um, to, to Christmas shopping. I've already Ugh. started doing that. Last night I sat there looking at some stuff. I'm like, eh, don't like that, don't like that. I didn't even have an idea of who I was buying for last night, so that's why I didn't find anything I didn't like. I'm going to have to be a little more organised, but you know, traditionally I don't really care until like three days out. Because so that's essentially, you're ends. starting to get ready. I'm starting to get ready. Amazon saved my my backside a couple of years ago. I'm like, all right, I need to do it. that. Just needs to become my habit now. Yeah. By the way, we're not sponsored by Amazon or anything like that. I just have an Amazon addiction. Yeah. I love the convenience, and I, you know, everything I need, I just find it there, and it's here two days later or a day later. It's great. I love it. <laughs> It's a problem. All right, so um, I'll just I'll just give some ideas about things. So I know that you are an Amazon fiend. I am, but I I myself do go and use different um, websites yes, as well. Uh, so um, I was ex- I was ex- explaining this to you the other day. 
So AliExpress, they do give further discounts if you play their games that they've got in app and you can collect coins. So those coins can go to offset some of like a bit of an extra yeah. cost. I hate AliExpress. Yeah, but you know what? It's not always about you, okay? Yeah, but okay, well, let's make it about you. How about how about the shoes you ordered from AliExpress the other day? Oh, one. Right? Like, and, and they... One. One they, time. They send one you shoes. Time. They send one you time? shoes. European size 41, supposedly. They're three inches shorter or smaller than any other European 41 in the history of the planet. And you went back and said, hey, guys, you sent me the wrong size. No, that's a European 41. So, it's a Chinese European 41. So can I just, yeah, but... Refuse refuse to refund you all the rest of it. Yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, it's one time. With the amount of stuff that I have bought, the one time. You know, you know, like, you know what happened. Seriously, this coming from a dude that had the ability of returning something, yeah. but forgot about it. And no, not forgot. I just didn't have the time. So you know, but you know how that return went. I went. Oh, there's a problem with this product. It squeals when I hit a active okay. noise cancelling. I went onto the Amazon app and I went return, and it went. Here's your your print label. Drop it off at the nearest Australia post office. And I just didn't get the chance because I ended up doing a four city tour around the country. I'm just going to say this: moving along, easy. just because you don't that like easy. it, does not mean that it cannot be investigated by others. And some people, do you know what? Some people you know what? don't like Amazon. That's so and that's fine. But other just people, sit there. they need to know why I don't like it so they can investigate that aspect as well. You got to look yeah, at the good and the well, bad. Fine, but we're not talking <laughs> just about Amazon. And also, Shein, you you have liked. I like Shein. I exactly. Shein. Like you've, you've got me stuff on Shein and I like And Shein. the other thing, just want to bring it to your attention, Shein originally started on AliExpress. Good for them. So. But that highlights. Anyway. <laughs> How tricky are you anyway, right now? Anyway, no, because you just kept on talking over me. It was annoying. And then <laughs> there is also ASOS as well. ASOS is really good. Those are the places that I look at. I... Obviously, make sure that I do have a look at the reviews of each thing, not just the the clothing, but I have a look like that's clothing. I do have a look at the reviews. I do have a look at the sizing because each sizing is different. So have a look at the sizing as well. Um, the one thing that I have to say, go and always, always read the worst of the reviews yeah. and have a look to see if it is actually the product that they've got the issue with or is it they had another expectation of something and it the box was dinted. It's So therefore they're angry at the yeah. person who, even though there's nothing wrong with the product, they've used the product, but the box was dinted. Yeah. So what I'm saying here is have a look at both ends of the spectrum and have a look to see. I think I think looking at, at the one-star reviews is always actually the best way to vet a product. And, and I did the same with my first four-wheel drive. I, I bought a Pajero as my first four-wheel drive back in 2017. And when I was doing the research, the, the choice in my budget was between a 2010 Pajero and a 2009, 2008 uh, Prado J120. Yeah. And I was looking at these and I went and I was looking at all the five stars and everyone was gushing. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to go look at the one stars. And I went and looked at the one-star reviews of each vehicle. And the one-star reviews of the J120 was had to do, you know, replace manifold. Manifold blew up when it hit 150,000K, had this issue with suspension, 180,000K. Like, all stuff that was big money repair jobs and problems in the Prado J120. When I looked at the Pajero, the one-star reviews were stuff like, the GPS doesn't work out in rural areas where there's no phone signal. And I'm like, 
Yeah, right. Oh, the road noise is a bit bad. It, it gets a bit loud. Right, so you can change that with tires. Like, so it was it was a huge difference. Like, the one-star reviews for the Pajero were whiny little bugs that can, like, things you can fix yourself just by getting better tires or something like that, right? Mm. The one-star reviews for the Prado where shit was blowing up. Can I just say that not everyone's going to be able to afford to go and buy a car? No, I'm not saying you should Christmas. go buy a car. I'm, this is, this is this, a story just, just highlighting read the, your point. the one-star reviews yes, on read, read the one-star reviews because sometimes one-star reviews reveal the real problems versus the individual purchaser's own problems. Yeah. And that helps you determine what products, you know, the, the, better, the better buy or the, the least risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So when it comes to myself, I, I had been always organized always, uh, where normally it would be September, October, I would start looking or September. If it was, if it was local stuff, then I would wait until October. But if I knew that I was needing to actually get things here well and truly before, I would start looking in um, September. So September, early October is normally where I go and definitely do my research, if not purchase. If I yep. know that it's going to take a, a month to get to me, it, by the end of September, it means that I'm going to have it by the, e- the beginning of November, which is good because then I don't have to worry about going, oh, it's getting to Christmas and the post yeah. is going to go insane. Yeah. So always, I start to do it around September. So By, by uh, mid-November, we can't move in our walk-in robe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the door's shut and the kids know they're not allowed to go. Yeah, they're not allowed in there. But so for me, getting organised and at least being able to go, all right, I'm going to start putting money aside if I haven't already started doing it because normally I've already started putting money aside so that when it gets to September, I can start to make those purchases. And But when I do my organising, I always do make sure that I go through and say, all right, this person I have this idea for, this person I have this idea for, this person I need to figure out who. Yeah. So... When it comes to organising and getting ready, I would always write a list down, understand that particular person when you're looking at different items. Because sometimes when you've got multiple kids, (laughs) like we do, sometimes you can get away with, um, you know, when you buy more, you save more. So one thing I know this year is headsets. Mm. Got one child who's said is the ears stuff is starting to come off and <laughs> leaving black marks on his head. Yeah, leaving black. That's a good call. I hadn't thought about that for yeah. him. Well, and then our daughter, she she's got one that her pink ones the, the same. The pink yeah. ones the same, but then she's also got another one, another headset which is corded, and the the ear cushion stuff has actually completely yep. come off. So have a look at those bulk types of gifts that you can actually get because you may yeah. also have you know you may have purchased something for yourself and you've got family friends or family members who are like that's really awesome i want that actually on that so on that note you mentioned headsets one of the the best purchases and i think like we've we've started creating this christmas ideas gift list and i think what we should do is we should create like finish out our list yeah and it'll probably end up at like 100 150 somewhere like that and we'll turn it into a pdf with links 
And yeah. I think it, it can be available to download for any listeners, anyone who's on Check My House Price, anything like just a just a uh, something to help out, right? Yeah. And we'll we'll try and get it out sort of mid October ish, yeah. So that that way people have got heaps of time to to check it out. But on my list, one hundred percent is a purchase I made for myself this year, and I'm looking at it for one of our teenagers, and it's hands down the best purchase I've made. On Amazon this year, if not ever, and it would be Bluetooth toy that Blue toys, Blue toys, Bluetooth noise <laughs> cancelling earbuds. So the little in ear ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're, uh, the brand is like QYC, or so. So it's not really a known brand. It's definitely like it's a Chinese one, but they've manufactured, they've built AI into it as well for noise cancelling, and they're about forty five dollars. And these things are just incredible in terms of sound quality. In terms of uh, the the mic quality for you, so for example, when I'm I'm talking, you know, on a business call or chatting or whatever, I've got them in my ears. I've been told there's no difference between me holding the phone up to the ear and talking and having those in. No, well, the other day when you went for a walk and you were talking to me, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm trying to protect the earpiece from the yeah. wind," and it was just like. Well, stop because you're it, making it worse. It worse. So, and that's it. Like it's got AI wind cancelling technology yeah. built into them. So when you're walking out, and like it still, it doesn't get all of it. So I like I actually just did a review on it on Amazon, and I I rated the noise cancelling about four out of five, uh, whereas everything else was five out of five. Yeah. But I also realised that I'm calling it a four out of five because I'm comparing it to the Sony um, WH-1000MX3 uh, yeah. like the hardcore headsets I bought a few years back that were like well, that's $400. That's not like for like, is it? It's not like for like. And they were over ear and everything like that. So, And I realise I'm being pedantic in that. But these things for 45 bucks, like $45 delivered if you're an Amazon Prime member, they're just incredible. Yeah. Hands down, the best earbuds that I have ever had yeah. for my phone. They'll they're Bluetooth, so they connect to your iPhone, your Android, doesn't matter. They'll connect to your laptop. They'll connect to anything. Yeah. Um, there and, is and a couple they're... of things on that list as well that I had put in there. Yeah. And um, it was more of your uh, your family because, mm. you know, we've got a big family, so it's always nice to get a, a family. Your Star Wars entry on here. I was, I'm impressed you put that yeah, on Yeah, that's there. not what I'm talking about, no. though. So there's two of them. One of them is a um, conversation starter where it's called Table Topics and you sit down and you, you know, one of, one of them was what would, your par- what would you prefer from your parents, right? For them to be honest with you, for them to do something for you or for them to buy you something nice. What would you prefer? <laughs> I, I can't afford the therapy that even beginning to answer this question will require. So that's one question that will, you know, sitting down at the table and actually talking about things is always really good. And it's a good way of creating memories as well um, because, you know, Christmas time isn't great for creating memories with family. Uh, but then there was also the garden games where it's yep. uh, the – the big huge dice that you can go and play Yahtzee with and because I saw it, I was like, actually, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Just to, you know, you can have chats and, you know, just play dice games. You know, you know what I want to see more of in Australia? The cornhole thingy. Corn, what is it? No, cornhole, we can get the cornhole stuff easy. It's the, the shuffleboard tables. 
where you, you slide in the disc and, and... The air hockey. No, it's not air hockey. It's shuffleboard. So you've got a huge big chunk of timber and it's about eight foot long, sometimes nine foot. Oh, this it's is what you played over in feet. America. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, okay. Yeah. I want to I make one of those. But yeah. you just you can't get them here. If you want to get one, it's like four grand. Yeah, it's because like, it's American. It's an yeah. American game. It's big over it's there. We can buy them for like $2. No, not quite. But <laughs> it was that. I'd just bring it back in my baggage. Oversized baggage. So, um, what else is, have we got on there? I did put um, the Star Wars waffle iron because we Falcon do. Falcon waffle iron. We do have a you know a, a big Star Wars love here in our household. We do. So we do having a Millennium Falcon waffle iron. It. I don't even think that it does it in the shape of the Millennium Falcon. It's the fact that the iron itself. Is in the shape of a millennial Falcon. Who knows? Falcon. You know, you know what? Like it was. I I thought it was quite a, a good gift for you for your birthday, and you could do it for Christmas as well for a partner and spouse. Um, and I did this. I did this for your birthday last year, and was it last year or the year before? Can you just tell us what it is? And I also did it to propose to you as well. And oh, had right, a had songs. a custom song written. Yeah. So there's there's websites like Songfinch, for example, um, and they're fairly good quality. Uh, in fact, if you press the fairy magic button right there, that's the <laughs> I'm getting all teary. <laughs> Ever since I met you, yeah, everything that we do and everywhere that we go have a special place. In my heart From Disneyland and Primrose Sands To our first Valentine's Day Building the backyard cinema With all the fairy lights Doing it all by hand Yeah, every day with you Just gets better and better As long as we're together Yeah You're mine No sharing, not even a little bit Partners in crime like Bonnie and Clyde Shrek and Donkey. Okay, Shrek and Donkey. Shrek and Donkey. That's, that's perfect place. <laughs> but like that, so that, that I think it's about a two, three minute song, two and a half, three minute song or yeah. whatever. It ends up costing you a couple hundred bucks. Um, you get an actual performing artist and it's recorded at studio quality and, and you know, you have a hand. Like a lot of those lyrics, yes, the artist wrote the lyrics, but the art, artist wrote the lyrics off my stories, my anecdotes, the information that I gave them. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're stuck for a Christmas gift and you want to do something a little bit special, a little bit romantic, even a birthday gift, uh, you know, you said at the beginning, you're like, I'm tearing up. Like, <laughs> it's an absolute tearjerker and 100% a brownie point winner. So, back to Christmas. Good to know. That's, that's a Christmas one. You can no, get Christmas. Yeah. yeah. No, just brownie points. That's all I'm looking for. Hey, look. Can you spin it around so I can, because I can't remember what other stuff I've put on there. Uh, so... The other things that I had put on there. Oh, yes. So for our daughter who loves singing, but pretty much any kid would like this, is the microphone where it's, you know, setting up so that they can sing and (laughs) you're fine. She doesn't use it that often. Thank God for that. It's more the boys that go in and go, Avalon, into it. But she she loves it. 
it has little disco lights and stuff on it too. So that's in there. The other one that was really, really good and she loved it was the camera. She did love that camera. That camera was amazing and she still does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like this, so that people understand when I talk about a camera, this particular camera comes with its own SD card. It... um also has the ability of video recording, takes its own pictures, got yeah. frames that you can put on there, filters as well. Um, and quite honestly, she just loves it. Yeah. Like I, I can say that the nighttime photo, it doesn't have a flash on it. So the night videos aren't that great. I mean, it's a fairly cheap camera. Like it's, but, so it's, it's you know yeah. what? She thinks it's amazing. She does. And she loves it. You know what I'm thinking we should do? Cause I'm looking at the time and we, we spent half an hour talking about stamp duty, which or lo- what, over uh, half an hour, which yeah. we absolutely needed to. And, and we should, we're running very short on time. How about, we do a Christmas gift suggestion episode. I reckon that would be awesome. We'll, some of the stuff that we've bought through the year that we can actually demo and show, we'll show and put on camera for YouTube and for reels and all that sort of stuff. Other stuff, obviously, we can't, so we'll, but we'll provide links. And after we've gone through a heap of stuff, that's when we will also, we need to have ready our list of Christmas gifts so that we can release it to anybody who wants it and is stuck for Christmas ideas. Yep. Sound good? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm really super conscious of the time, and I know our last few apps we've run over so bad. But, I mean, we've been covering really anyway, topics. Anyway, so <laughs> we need to wrap up here. Is that what you're saying? I think, I think we should wrap up here. Okay. Well, we'll all see you around like results. You've, you've got a choice. You can either play, you know, your song or you can play the outro.